0: This is episode 33 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Welcome back, friends. I'm so glad you're tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast, where we will be talking about loving well as a wife. This is part of our love series that we're doing for the month of February, and we're just really excited to share these conversations with you. The first segment features Marilyn Song Harry and Jennifer Van Winkle, two gals who've been involved with Kindred Mom for quite some time, and we talk about what it looks like in our own marriages to love well, as well as some of the obstacles and challenges we've run into. For the second segment, Sarah Allard and I interviewed Ann Hinman, a pastor's wife and mama of three who has been married for 28 years, and she is so familiar with the ups and downs of marriage. She has so much wisdom to offer, and I hope that you enjoy the conversation that we had. Before we jump in, I just wanted to say, I know that everyone is in a different place in their marriage relationship, and we just want to extend our love to you, knowing that there is no one-size-fits-all, there is no quick-fix solution for the challenges that you go through, but we hope that you'll find hope and encouragement in these conversations. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm really pleased to be welcoming two friends on this segment of the Kindred Mom Podcast, where we are discussing love and loving our husbands well. And I have Marilyn Song, Harry, as well as Jennifer Van Winkle. Ladies, welcome and how are you? We're great. Thanks for having us here, Em. Emily, it's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, so we are in the middle of a series about love on Kindred Mom and I'm excited to have this segment uh, feature a conversation about marriage and uh, the struggles that we all experience in establishing and maintaining a strong relationship with our spouse. House in the midst of all the demands of motherhood. So, I'm pretty sure that anybody who's married knows that marriage is hard work, but um, it also can be incredibly fulfilling. And so, I'd love for us to open up by just talking about how being married maybe has been different from before we had children to the present when I know most of us have multiple children. So, Song, would you like to begin with just a quick version of how you think things have changed since you guys welcomed your children?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, So challenging. You know, it's just so challenging to first of all, to be a mom, of course, um, but to try to also maintain a sense of self and your own personhood and then your relationship with your spouse. When there's children that are dependent on you completely, it can be it can be so easy to push your spouse to the wayside. When you feel like there are actual needs, people, little people that actually will not be fed or will not be trained yeah. to become a proper adult if I don't attend to their needs. And so, yes, children drastically, they shift everything and it shifts the focus in, in many, many wonderful and good ways. But it's um, it's so important to maintain that marriage priority over children in a way Mm -hmm. that is actually healthy for the kids and good for them to see. And it promotes just functional family dynamics. And, but yes, I didn't get much of a chance to experience um, marriage Mm -hmm. without kids for very long. I became pregnant um, four months into being married. And so I had kind of a baptism by fire in that regard, but, um, but still, yeah, that that I remember those sweet days when it was just the two of us and boy, Mm -hmm. they were fleeting indeed. And (laughs) I will never get them quite back just the
2: same, but yeah, it's similar for us. And that, um, we, we had several, several years together before our kids came. And, and in those days we were a lot more freewheeling and had, you know, freedom to choose what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. And so with kids, it's really been a shift in focus, like Song was saying, in that we have to edit. We've become really good editors yeah. <laughs> of our lives and saying what what serves us and what doesn't serve us and just getting rid of the fluff. But also just really seeing that aside from the needs of the kids, which are the, are the needs that tend to scream the loudest, that we do have needs for each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have to choose each other and the choice of choosing is sometimes a little bit more romantic and a little bit more thoughtful Mm. than just the freewheeling. Yeah, We're we're just together, you know, so that's what I've noticed.
0: Yeah. I remember early in our marriage before we had a lot of our communication kinks worked out that we had one disagreement where I had inadvertently hurt my husband's feelings over something. I can't even remember the situation, but at the time was like, I just feel like you don't really need me. And he wanted me to need him. And I remember saying to him, well, I'm, I'm not with you because I need you. I'm with you because I love you. I'm with you because I want to be with you. And that was a, I feel like a kind of defining moment in early in our marriage where I realized that I didn't have to have a codependent relationship with my husband, that I could Mm -hmm. choose him, that we could decide that we are both just committed to each other. And the weird things that happen, I think early in relationships and the dependency that sometimes is cultivated there is not always healthy, but Mm -hmm. I love that we started there because as we have welcomed more children, we were, we had our first baby two days after our first anniversary. So we also (laughs) didn't have a lot of time before to compare to, but having our children early in our marriage, I think really counterintuitively strengthened us and grew us in ways that I don't know if we would have matured as much um, at that stage of our lives without that shared purpose, that shared responsibility to parent our kids. I know that there are challenges that come with trying to navigate romance and Doing what we can to stay connected with our spouse in the midst of parenting, but I also think that it's brought us together in a huge way, and I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So one of the things I want to discuss today is when you think about your marriage, is there anything you have done specifically to invest in your marriage that you know under ideal circumstances it looks it looks one way, but then we have the real life scenarios of you have multiple children. You have a lot of demands for your time and many of us are exhausted and are just doing lots of different things. Uh, I'd love to know how each of you have tackled, how do I prioritize this part of my life where we can connect Mm -hmm. and build our relationship in the midst of all the other chaos going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think
1: the first thing that comes to my mind, somebody gave me this tip when my children were just very young toddlers. And they said, you know, it's really important for them to see you and your husband together as a unit Mm -hmm. without them coming in between you constantly and asking questions and climbing all over you. And it's really, really good for children to see that. No, Papa came home. Mama and Papa are going to have a conversation. They're going to have eye contact. They're going to to talk about their day. And at that point, during that little time when he first gets home or whenever it, it, it happens to be, yeah. you guys get to come later. It's not your turn. And so we mm-hmm. would do this little thing where we, we called blanket time at the time. We just had the kids with their own toys on a blanket mm-hmm. or with books or even if they're in front of a show or something but they knew that we were having our couch time on the couch. And when mom and papa were on the couch together for couch time, Mm -hmm. they were not allowed to interrupt us. And you know what it was only like, it was actually at the time it was really more for the kids benefit than it was for us actually getting a deep conversation in. But it was really, it was good because it gave us a chance to connect briefly, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 15. And the kids got to, to sort of tangibly understand That mom and papa, they their relationship is really important, Mm -hmm. and I need to respect that, Mm -hmm. and it takes priority. And so that was one one way we um, implemented that idea Mm -hmm. early on. But you know now, uh, as they're getting older, and you know the children have multiplied since then, so (laughs) (laughs) I I am really competing these days for uh, any kind of conversation whatsoever that's not interrupted. (laughs) So maybe we need to start doing that again, Mm -hmm. but. I think when <laughs> I think when they're little, it's it's a really nice way of showing the children that mom and papa are important
0: and, um, and just honoring him that way. And yeah, yeah so I'm, I would be really interested to see what it looks like with your eleven-year-old on a blanket.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that's um, be No, no,
0: no. I'm just kidding.
1: I think now it's kind of similar. Just in, I mean, we we do an early bedtime for the kids, yeah. early ish. And they just know, okay, mom and papa, we're going to our room too. And we're going to have our time and we don't want to be interrupted. And you know, same kind of
2: idea. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Jenny? Uh, I love the whole couch time thing. We don't get to do that because of the whole <laughs> barrage of dad you're Yes, it oh, <laughs> and, and it's just like I, I was telling him like i really like being your first hug out the door you know like when you have to leave i love being the first one because he's like always makes his rounds around the breakfast table <laughs> to like say goodbye and i'm like i'm usually the last one so i like being the mm-hmm. first one <laughs> i like being both i'll, I'll be yes. bookends right i'll be the first <laughs> that's right there you go. <laughs> um one of the ways that we've invested in each other is to try and schedule regular date nights mm-hmm. and sometimes that's sometimes that's out of our house and sometimes that is just spending time mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. just in our yes. house. <laughs> um, totally and counts. Yeah, it totally counts. It's, I, it's something that I don't feel like I'm super great at being consistent with as far as like going out on dates, because I really like that. But um, it's not always possible <laughs> to, to make to make happen. Mm-hmm. But I do I just find that I am like, I'm jealous for his time. And, you know, he's jealous for my time, which is kind of, it's kind of a, an eye opener when your husband says, I'm jealous for your time. And you're like, wow, I'm, I'm here. I'm here all the time. Like, yeah. This is where I'm at. I, I'm at home and I'm a stay at home mom. And it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't venture out into the world, but I do have things that uh, vie for my time. And, and so to try and carve out some of that for him specifically uh-huh. is really important. Uh-huh. The other night we we just sat around watching music videos, which was so <laughs> much fun. Like we just sat there uh-huh. He had an earbud and I had an earbud and we're looking at our phone, you know, screen, but we're doing it together and we're like, wish we had better speakers. Oh my gosh, you guys are so cute.
1: (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Yeah, I think another um, idea that I think is important for under just investing in marriage is kind of the picture of what you just said, Jenny, of like, you're sitting together watching something, you know? And I think, you know, as women, we tend to think, oh, we just want face-to-face time with our husband. We just want to be able to talk to him. We want to have our feelings expressed and for him to respond and have this like, you know, communication is just so important to women. But, you know, and I think that's valid and we need to have that with our husbands. But I think men really tend to relate more and to bond more shoulder to shoulder rather than face to face Mm. and to create, you know, to times where you're not just having a real great talk over dinner, maybe somewhere, but doing something with your spouse, going on a bike ride or playing tennis or doing, you know, even just, I mean, my husband just likes it when like he's working on a house project and I just kind of sit there and hand him a hammer when he wants me to, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm not doing anything, but the fact that I'm just kind of present yeah. and available and, you know, and for yeah. me, I'm just admiring the muscles, but you know, it means, it means something.
0: Yeah, I found that our best conversations happen when we're driving somewhere in the car. So I have it on my list to make up a bunch of day trips we're going to do this spring and just take that time to get the family out of the house. And, you know, we just, I think when he's driving and he isn't engaged with his technology and all the stuff he does for work, um, that's when I get the best of his attention. And so Mm -hmm. I just have realized that I can't expect the deeper conversations to happen with the kids all around, with him coming home from work, with all of the regular things. And so I would say Uh that we do have pretty solid communication throughout the week, but most of that happens over the phone while he's at work driving to or from, Mm. or we Uh do send email and we have text messages or we're just trying to get across the nuts and bolts of things that need to happen. And like you said, Song, just doing something side by side, whether it's the driving or there are some Mm -hmm. other things that we've done as well that I think the activity and the time together doing something is just really a fruitful way to connect. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about how we can bless our husbands, even when we feel spread thin, Um, because I know that as mamas, the to-do list is never done. The laundry is never finished. (laughs) The sink Mm -hmm. is never empty of dishes, especially when you have six children. And the children are never done touching you.
3: That's
2: <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yes, that's a really important like when song when you just said in the children are never done touching you, it just totally made me think of how sensory overload it can be yeah. to be a mom, right? Because we are being touched all the time. And, and sometimes I feel like women are, you know, they like, keep their husbands away because they're just like, I can't be touched another way for just a minute. Exactly. I just yeah. need to like, have mm-hmm. my for just a minute. But I feel like a way to bless your husband is to look at that list, look at those kids and realize that it is all because of you and him. all of the stuff that all of the stuff that you are feeling like you are now like Mm -hmm. absorbed in completely. And it's all because of the relationship that you have. And there's a reason Mm -hmm. why you're in that relationship. And hopefully it's one that you chose because you chose out of love.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so to take that list and go, it doesn't matter. And that's to right. say to the kids, mm-hmm. I love you. I love you. Good night. <laughs> and now I'm going to go tend the relationship that started it all. That's this good. is the beginning of everything, you know, and that's where I want to spend my time because that is what is so meaningful to me and has been for the duration yeah. of our relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's worth tending. So I agree. What
0: I wanted to say about feeling spread thin is I think there is a stretch of motherhood that you will feel spread thin at all times, no matter what is going on. And part of that is mm-hmm. the things that are constantly on your mind that need to be remembered or tended to. And part of that is just the exhaustion of being up at night or being up, woken up early in the morning, or just the constant simulation of kids and all their questions. And I just feel like if that is what is normal for a stretch of years, then we can't afford to just not find solutions for how to prioritize our marriages because that's a long stretch of time that that's extended. It's not something that's like, okay, for this two weeks, we have super busy schedules. So we're really not going to see each other a lot. And, you know, we're talking about things that are more than a month or more than six months we can very strategically and creatively find ways around the challenges that we have. And um, I think that's really important to do.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I really agree with that. And I I think it's important to think about our marriages as not being another task on a to-do list. You know, like we just think of it as just another thing. Oh, now I have to be this. I have to be a chauffeur. Now I have to be a nurse. Now I have to be a cook. Now I have to be an owie kisser. And now I have to be this available sexy woman when my husband gets home too, and it just becomes overwhelming to try to do it all. And to think of, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to just check it off a list. I think if we can get away from thinking that way about our days as it's just a giant list that needs to be checked off as opposed to, no, I'm going to prioritize what areas I'm going to invest in today. You know, like it's not Mm -hmm. something to check off a list eat healthy food that's going to nourish yeah. your body as opposed to junk yeah. food. You're just choosing to invest into your body in that way and it's actually going to give you more energy and you're going to have more to overflow to the people that are around you. And so I think when it comes to being spread thin and feeling like I just can't fit in one more thing into my schedule or I just don't have the energy yeah. to invest into into date nights or having sex with my husband or reading on the, on, with my kid on the couch, again, the same book, you know, like instead of thinking of these things as tasks rather than, okay, what's going to, what investment can I make now? That's going to actually bring back more blessing and more energy and, and give me what I need to fulfill what I, who I am as a, as a mom. Um, I think that helps.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that, I think if we just dip our toes into the more personal topic of intimacy, um, we have Mm -hmm. an essay going up on the blog where Jenny, who has been chatting with us tonight, um, is talking about her own journey with realizing that intimacy was something that she could be in the driver's seat of how that unfolded. Mm -hmm. And I want to read a Mm -hmm. quote from that. Um, And then we can talk about it a little bit more. She said, I used all the standard excuses. I'm too tired. I don't feel beautiful. It's too late tonight, maybe tomorrow. I sidestepped his advances by changing the focus of conversation from invitations to engage in physical intimacy to safer topics centered around our children. I was hopeful that those would put his fire out because it seemed friendlier than directly smashing his heart with one more, I don't want to. Deep within, I wanted romance and a connection with my spouse that rivaled all love stories ever told, but we didn't have that because I was too afraid to show up as an equal in my marriage. So Jenny, I know this is super personal, but I was wondering if you would tell us a little bit more about that idea of showing up as an equal in your marriage and what that looks like to you.
2: Well, it it doesn't look like, uh, just waiting for your husband to make all of the moves. And that's not just speaking in a physical sense. That's like to make all of the moves, um, all of the decisions, all of the, it's showing up as an equal is not just saying, here you go. (laughs) You can Mm -hmm. make all the tough choices and I'll just be here alongside cheering you on. And I feel like for a portion of my marriage, whether I chose that or not, that's sort of the role that I ended up playing where it was sort of like, I don't necessarily trust Mm -hmm. myself to make a Mm -hmm. really good Mm -hmm. choice for our family. or I'm insecure about myself in a, a number of ways. And that just affects the way that I operate as, as a partner in a relationship. And it's not really a partnership at that point. It's more like you have to, you, my husband need to validate all of the things that are lacking in me and you need to fill mm-hmm. up all the insecurities that mm. I have. And then it's sort of like, how can I possibly, Yeah. How, I mean, that that's asking a lot right. for, for a man and he, he didn't marry you for that reason. You know, it's like, you need to do your own hard work. And for me, that, that hard work of showing up as an equal in my marriage is owning my worthiness and saying and 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 just saying i am worth caring about in my own for me yeah. in my own mind caring about myself so good jenny and to reach for the things that are really deep in my heart that i have kept buried yeah. there because I'm insecure about those things. Well, and that essay that's coming is so worth the read.
0: So I hope people will check it out because <laughs> it's very poignant. And I, I got so much out of it, Jenny. Well, so time. fantastic. Really. Thank you. So we have a few minutes thoughts. left and there were some questions that we took in from our Kindred Mom Facebook group. So I want to tackle those. And one of them might take a, a little bit more time than the others. So I want to start with it. I'm going to read the question and then I would love a shorter answer just so that we can keep an eye on the time. But um, this was from Elspeth Rogers and she said, what do you do or say when you feel like your husband isn't pulling his weight with all the kid stuff? What do you do if you sense a begrudging or reluctant attitude from him when it comes to diaper changing, babysitting, giving up sleep or any other inconveniences that come with kids? I'm with the kids alone 90% of the time and I really need him to be wholehearted about the 10% he is there. There's more to this question. I'm just going to stop it there and just ask you what you think about someone who's in this place.
3: Well,
2: for me, the first thing that pops into my head is that maybe he is reluctant to get involved because he just doesn't feel confident mm-hmm. in his role as a, you know, as his role as a father. Mm-hmm. I think that when men feel the role of. Uh, to leave the house and to provide for their families, that they are, they're leaving that connection also. And, and sometimes when they come back from their life out in the world, they don't have the connection that, that they can see you have with your kids when you spend all of your time at home with Mm -hmm. them. And so I would say that perhaps it's because maybe he doesn't feel that he knows how to contribute. Yeah. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and so my advice would be: if you have something burning in your heart that you want him to do in the most loving way possible, just give him a simple request. Yeah. You know, it's like, "Could you please vacuum the floor?" And don't say anything more about mm-hmm. it. Just say, "Could you please vacuum the yeah. floor?" No hidden subtext message. You mm-hmm. know, um, but you know, just to just to ask for the things that you need.
0: Yeah, so one of the things I wanted to say about that is that I just think so many times we have expectations that our husbands will just know what needs to be done or they will catch all the clues that we throw their way (laughs) that are non-spoken. And with that just comes a lot of negativity on our side if we're not receiving back the messages or the actions that we are looking for. And it's taken me a number of years to get to the point where I am very direct. I'm kind, but I'm very direct about this is what would really help me out today. And I will specifically ask for what will help me. And it doesn't mean that my husband can always do every one of those tasks, but it does mean that he knows what I have asked for. And when he can, he responds. And that has made all the difference of just not expecting him to catch the clues.
2: (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was just going to add really quick that, um, just giving him some positive reinforcement yeah. goes a long yeah. way. Just say yeah. naming the things that he does well will go a long way. Absolutely, and I think it's important just to be
1: realistic about our expectations as wives. You know, this is especially if you're a homemaker, and you know, I think it would be very different if you're both working outside the home and sharing home tasks. Um, but if you're a homemaker, and this this is really your life. Yeah. This is what you your whole life embodies. This is your gift to your family, and so you. You have you have systems for things, and there's just no way for a man that works outside the home or studies outside the home to be able to function in the same way Mm -hmm. as you do in your home, because you have a very curated craft that you've been perfecting over a number of years. And so, like you were saying, I'm just being clear about expectations. And also, you know, like when I get out for a little bit or go to the grocery store or leave my husband with the kids. I don't come home any longer (laughs) expecting that the house is going to be in the same order that I left it or that all the dishes are going to be put away. But I do expect to be seeing him engaging with the kids. And that's really, at the end of the day, let's prioritize how is my husband's relationship with each of us as Um, opposed to what the state of the household is. Those things really should be prioritized.
2: And give him the permission to do it in a way that makes sense to him. Yes. I think that's good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we have just a couple minutes,
0: so this will be quick, but I want to do a rapid fire Q&A with some of these last questions from April Cotton. She said, what are some good date night ideas with a baby along? Unless we take our baby with us, we don't get out of the house. And so I would love just, what is the one thing that you've done with a baby along that's been super fun? Go to a loud restaurant.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We ordered takeout once and and had a picnic in front of our fireplace Mm -hmm. when my baby was real young. We Mm -hmm. did it for a birthday and we just pretended we were out to eat. Other times we've done, let's go for a walk and get ice cream with the stroller. You know, not everything is super
0: romantic, but if you're connecting. Yeah. And that shoulder to shoulder time is happening, then yeah, that, that counts. It does. Yeah, I think for me, I don't really need a fancy. We don't have to be doing something fancy or something. The t- activity itself is totally irrelevant to me. It's more that we are together and we're glad to be together and we can mm-hmm. talk and, you know, catch up about the things that we haven't been able to over the previous days or weeks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I have uh, another one from Charity Oremland. She says, the kids are asleep. You have two hours until you and your husband go to sleep. There are a few things to get done. How do you create meaningful conversation
2: when it is so much easier to crawl into the fetal position and watch a show? Emily, I love how when you, you say I'm not doing any chores and After my kids go to sleep Mm -hmm. because you protect that time. Yeah. and That's a very good idea. I just, I think I don't actually
0: look for meaningful conversation at that time of the day. (laughs) Like to me, anytime (laughs) after the kids go to bed, whatever needs to happen, like for the most part, you know, he's wrapping up some things with work and I'm usually working on kindred mom, if I'm being really honest. And then Mm -hmm. when we connect for bedtime, it's, it's not really a conversation time for us. And I think that if meaningful conversation is what you're looking for, that it might be good to just kind of step back and say, where are the places and the times in our week that we are successful at having meaningful conversation and then kind of shift things around so we can prioritize that a little bit more, recreate that environment where it's already happening. And I just... I would take the pressure off of it having to be at that time personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I don't think there's
2: anything wrong with watching a show. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't don't either. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe don't crawl into a fetal position while you watch the show. Maybe like lean on each other. I don't know. Just switch it up.
1: (laughs) But I don't think there's anything wrong with watching the show. Yeah, and you know it doesn't hurt at that time either to say. Hey, let's watch a show, but first, you know, let's get into it, you know, and to to every now and then to initiate and to to just speak your husband's love language and, you know, he will love that. You do it once a month, he will love that, yeah. you know. It just just to change things up every now and then make sure that that part of your life is not being overlooked.
0: Well, time is up. And so we need to wrap up, but I just so appreciate you ladies sharing from your experience. And one of the things I wanted to make sure I said before we close out is just... Marriage is one of those things that is intensely personal to each individual couple and the things that you need and the things that you are working through are oftentimes things that there's not just a simple solution because there are layers and there are just so many things connected to all the aspects of your life together with someone. But the one thing that I do think is really useful and helpful is to find a a group of people That you do trust that you can talk about this stuff really honestly with, because I know that for me, many of my struggles in marriage have had to do with just having a skewed perspective of my husband's intentions or having, Mm -hmm. you know, things that are rooted in my own shame or the baggage that I've carried from other seasons of my life into my marriage. And I just think that loving, trustworthy friends who can help you see things things, maybe from different perspective from time to time, really, that goes a long way. And I think helping us stay in it to win it. So any last words, ladies? No, I disagree with that. And I would also say maybe seek out a couple or a woman
1: that you know has just had a sweet marriage that maybe is a few steps down the road. You know, mm-hmm. finding people that you know are going to give you, are not just going to to stroke your ego or just to feel like, yeah, you know, why does he do that or whatever, but to really give you constructive, And just wise counsel, I think is, is so helpful in overcoming these kinds of issues. And of course, you know, many, I'm sure many, there are many people out there that are really struggling in their marriage. And of course, none of the things that we've given you here are anywhere near the kind of counsel that you might need. So, I mean, getting counseling, getting people that are professionals in this area to, I mean, there is just absolutely no shame in that. I think Pretty much every couple could use that from time to time. So yeah. yeah, I just really encourage that.
2: All I would say is that your marriage is worth fighting for and that you're a brave woman. You can do the hard work.
0: On this segment, I have Sarah Allard, a sweet friend of mine, and she has invited a friend of hers on, Anne Hinman. And we're going to
4: talk about marriage and
0: loving well as a wife. Sarah, would you love to introduce Anne for me?
4: I would love to. I'm so delighted Anne agreed to join us today because I've known her through Bible study. And what really stood out is the way she values her marriage and her relationship with her husband and is always looking for ways to support him. Uh, Also, she always brings up her kids and um, wanting to be close to them, but also allow their independence now that they're leaving the household. Um, and my favorite thing about Anne is along with wisdom, she always adds a dose of humor. So Anne, would love for you to take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself and your family to us.
3: Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Sarah and Emily. Um, I have uh, three children and they're two years apart. So at one time they were a baby, a toddler, and a preschooler, but now they are 20, 20, they're in their twenties, 20, 22 and 25. Two are in college. One is working for Amazon and moved back home this past year. I have a husband who happens to be a pastor and we have lived in Seattle for nearly 10 years now. And just parenthetically, I was telling Emily, we've lived a lot of different places. We've moved around a lot. I grew up in Ohio in the same small town, lived there all my life. So my children um, and family have had a very different experience than my experience growing up.
0: Well, we're so pleased to have you on the show today. And one of the things that we're hoping to capture in this conversation is really what it means and what it looks like to love well as a wife. And I would love to hear a little bit about your story and your life, how long you've been married and just kind of what it has been like for you through the different seasons of parenting alongside your husband.
3: Well, we have, I've been married 28 years and I really should be the last person that talks about marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I always say that marriage is probably the hardest thing I've ever undertaken in my life. And it has also been the most um, rewarding and the greatest blessing. And it has been hard. My husband and I dated a short time relatively. Uh, Mm -hmm. So our first year of marriage and first years were maybe what some people go through after a couple of years of dating. So, you Mm -hmm. know, it was, was getting to know each other and working out Kinks, though those kinks were still working out. We had, after three years of marriage, had kids, started having kids, and my husband happened to be in graduate school. We had a lot going on. We have had the seasons of moving, moved from Boston to LA when the kids were in elementary school, and that what was sort of special about that was we totally unplugged from all of our social connections because we moved. Mm -hmm. And so we were each other's best friends in in our family, husband and wife and the kids. And that was actually quite special and sort of a, a special time in our lives. We happen to be now empty nesters, though our oldest son just moved back. And this is here's the best news is it's so fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, it's easy to flash back to those first three years when we didn't have kids. And, and we've, we've had so much happen in between right. this time now and our early marriage. And yet it's really, so we're very, we've grown very different and yet, we still have that kind of same fun of just the two of us and what are we going to have for dinner? And we can do whatever we want, you know, at night
4: and it's
3: really yeah. fun. And- And it will be here before you know it.
4: (laughs) Oh, that's so encouraging for the young moms listening. Just that might be in the trenches that it can be fun, you know, because I I agree. I mean, we've been through different seasons in our 14 years of marriage of highs and lows and are in a sweet season. And um, I think it can be really encouraging to mamas that are feeling like they're not having a lot of hope in their marriages. And you know, on that note, Anne, when you think back to kind of those early years, what you, would be some thoughts as far as what women could do to invest in their marriages and build a healthy marriage? Either habits or tips, just looking back kind of as you were building that foundation, especially after that move, what did that look like for you guys? Well, uh, it's, it's funny. I, a couple
3: things come to mind, but one thing that comes to mind right away, which doesn't really apply to the move is, is having, you know, close trusted friends that you can talk about your marriage with is really helpful. Mm -hmm. It's helpful to just bring, I always tell my kids, Reality is the safest place. And and it's true in a marriage. Reality is the safest place. And it's easy to have vain imaginations of you know, all these other marriages are so great, or that my friend's husband's so much better than my husband. Or um, <laughs> stuff like that. And it's it truly is easy to think about that. And it's just so helpful to be have friends, trusted friends, and, and I do emphasize trusted because I know you don't want to gossip and you don't want to badmouth your husband or yourself or anything but a trusted friend is someone you can share your heart with and it's just getting things out in the open is so good and it's so good to hear that that struggle is actually super common, you know, and it's not unique to you or your husband. And I think so. So having trusted friends is a good practice for a good marriage. I think um, being really aware of your families of origin, that's something even Mm -hmm. now after 28 years, we're still sort of, you know, realizing Oh yeah. Our, you know, our family, where we can, we bring it a lot of just those early years of our lives into our marriage and into the ways we relate. And that's a, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I, my father died when I was young. So I have Mm
2: -hmm.
3: just seeing my mom making all these decisions. It's easy for me to do unilateral decisions with the kids, with things we do. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, need to really just remember that and and work on think, just thinking I got, I'm in a partnership. <laughs> so I think it just seems mm. like that your families of origin and listen, you know, listening to your spouse and and in, in order to listen, you got to care. And so I mean, just asking yourself, you know, have I cared to listen today? It's a simple thing, mm-hmm. but I think that that really does help. And, you know, just having the courage to, to be aware of your emotions and, mm-hmm. and also not and having the courage to recognize the emotions in your spouse. So mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, that's a, and that's a hard thing. It's still hard for me after 28 years, because it's easy to think, Oh, maybe if I don't talk about it, it'll go away. Mm-hmm. But you know, that mm. builds isolation and talking about it builds emotional intimacy, you know? So,
0: Yeah. I so love so many of the things that you said, um, especially the first point when you said having trusted friends that you could talk with regarding your marriage. I find that is so true in a lot of spheres of motherhood that if we're able to really vulnerably share where we're at and gain the perspective and wisdom of other women who are seeing things from a different vantage point. I know there's been more than one time that I'm relaying a situation or a circumstance that has gone on that I feel a certain way about it. Most likely, Because my feelings have flashed up and I just see it just one way. And having the input of a friend who is seeing from the outside and can, you know, just kind of offer me a different perspective than what I see from my vantage point, I think that can be a really valuable thing, just like you said. Mm -hmm.
4: Definitely. You know, it's interesting as you brought that up. And I was thinking, you know, personally, that I had gone through a hard season in my own marriage. And I remember you just saying to me, gosh, people just don't talk about this. You know, you hear about, challenges when it's too late. And that has really stood with me as an encouragement that there are in every marriage highs Mm -hmm. and lows, and we just don't talk about it. And I think getting in that regular rhythm of community is key because, you know, when those hard times come, you're already in the rhythm of talking with your friends. And um, I did appreciate your point too, just about it not being gossip and of course, respecting your husband. Um, you know, I think so much mm-hmm. of it is that you're on the same team. <laughs> I know as you're talking about, I know I've gotten that feedback, like, you know, when you're each doing your own thing, but how to work together. And I think a huge part of that is bringing people in that not only are going to cheer you on but are going to mm-hmm. cheer each other on as a couple. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is
3: huge. I think Sarah that you you make that point and it, it is true. It's especially if we're in community, you don't want to hear somebody start talking about it when when they're at the point of we've already made they're at the point of no return and sometimes that's when people start talking about it when in a caring community, you want to talk about it right when when it's at the beginning of the problem where where the community can step in and support and love and encourage.
0: Yeah, it seems too like the issue of communication, which I think is probably one of the largest parts of marriage. It is difficult to work out when you have two very different people who communicate very differently, trying to get on the same page and share their thoughts and feelings and fears and insecurities. That's something that we're all struggling with In our marriages, but we also struggle with that in social situations. And I think it's just a good thing to apply ourselves to learning different concepts, different avenues of communication so that we can get on the same page. And um, whether that's with our community and how they support us or with our spouses, the one thing that I have noticed in my own marriage is even though we haven't had as many lows in our 13 years or so. We did a lot before we got married. We went through a whole lot of really deep uh-huh. hard stuff. And so I feel like we kind of got ahead of the curve in that respect a little bit. But I have noticed that it's only been in the last two or 3 years that I have really volunteered a lot to my husband about how I really feel about things because for a long time there I just didn't want to Sour what was going on like we had a good thing going, but there were a lot of things that I just withheld emotionally because I wanted to keep it that way, which it wasn't actually helping us out very much. You know, now that I have gotten a little bit more bold and confident about bringing my concerns and requests and my big feelings that I was always afraid would scare him away, um, he's really received me and it's it's drawn us into deeper intimacy and deeper
3: connection that I really. Perish. Wow, that's great. I think that's that's very wise, and it's bold. It takes a, It takes courage, exposure. Yeah. You know, it's we're in the constant. I, I, I guess growth is that is just is uh, laying, being exposed, and that's ironically mm-hmm. freedom but it's hard.
0: Well, I would love to ask Sarah. Um, Sarah, you've been married for going on 14 years, and I know that you have had ups and downs, as you mentioned. Uh, And now that you have children, the dynamics of your marriage have changed. So whereas I'm coming from 13 years of having children in the mix the entire time, we had our first baby really two days after our first anniversary. So I don't really know or remember (laughs) what life is like without having children in the mix. I would love to just hear from you about what you think are the most important Important things you've done in those years before you had kids and maybe how things have changed since your
4: little ones came along? Yeah, that's such a great question. We did have 10 years of marriage before having kids and um, didn't plan that necessarily. Infertility led to that. But, um, you know, looking back, I am thankful for the years of friendship that we built. But I also think that, um, you know, in that season, it was really busy. We were both working and serving and doing lots of things in different avenues. And parenthood has really brought us together in a different way. And as I had mentioned, I think being on the same team and having that mentality, especially with kids, it's like one of them on combat right now, you know, we got the toddler, the baby, it is all hands on deck. And, you know, if we're not in it together, it just feels like we're kind of drowning, you know, even though it's such a fun season and it's very full. And so really building that friendship, that teamwork mentality of we are in it together, we've got each other's back, even just saying phrases like that. The other thing I really noticed when our son was born was you know, all the fear that comes in as be, being new parents. And it can be easy to criticize one another versus really building one another up mm-hmm. in our new roles as parents. And so that's something that we Sought to do just to say, wow! I really like the way you change that diaper, or I love the way you are so gentle yeah. with our son. Or um, just speaking words of life in a season that we are all doing the best we can and can be hard on ourselves has been huge. And the other thing I was thinking about, and I think a lot of guys are this way, is they like that side by side time. As women, we love face to face talking, and um, I know my husband Angelo loves if I just will be still and watch a TV show with him. And in this season, it is hard to do that. There's always more dishes to be done, yeah. laundry to be folded, children waking up when they shouldn't be. And, um, it's been a beautiful thing, actually a real gift to me in this season that there's just something about calming myself down enough to sit down and just be beside him and watch a show. Uh, it doesn't have to be every night that fills his cup and in turn has really filled mine. And I've realized just. How we are such each other's opposites. But in so many ways, there's moments like that where I realize what a gift it is. Uh, and it just really calms me and gives me that time of rest that I don't think I give myself. And the other one, I know we got a lot of questions about intimacy on the Facebook group. I'll just say that, you know, that's obviously changed over the years and being really intentional in this season about pursuing one another and Being creative about pockets of time, you know, intimacy, or just even spending time together, um, getting creative with date swaps, just... How can we nourish our relationship, our friendship, our marriage, and take that time outside the kids has been really valuable. And I'm seeing a lot of blessing in this season, and I'm very thankful.
0: Thanks so much for sharing. And, Anne, I'd really love to know from you, just from your years and years of marriage, I'm sure that you've seen lots of things come and go as far as interests and hobbies and things that you each want to do with your time. If you have a certain way of prioritizing certain things that Allow you to stay connected. How do you make space for both of
3: those individual interests and still stay connected? It's, it's, I'm having a hard time remembering. I'm just Sarah mentions date night, and I just can remember those. Sometimes that was just so hard because of um, because the pressure that I, we'd put on it when the kids were little, and we'd get a babysitter and we'd go out and yeah, we you know it would just be. This fraught full time because we didn't have a plan and we had to make decisions <laughs> and um, it was really stressful and we actually had yeah. some really you know whopper fights walk out you know down the room get out of the car with those dates Um, it's now in our lives what's really fun is that we can it's it's just it's that we can make each other um, priority is so much easier and mm-hmm. it's interesting even having. You know, one high school senior in the house, so a child that drives, and I mean, we don't now, but when we did, mm-hmm. and is very independent, still having. It's interesting how much emotional space a child takes up, even when they're not needing you. You know, all their waking hours, mm-hmm. and so it's it's just almost shocking to me. It's very exciting and wonderful to have this space that is just you two again. And it's sweet and Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a treat. It's a delight. It's not at all. You know, I think for some reason I was anticipating that it could be difficult, you know, or you try to rediscover each other, but I don't think that was, it wasn't that at all. It was a party. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that is because of little ways staying connected we were never that terribly disciplined about the date night. And that's probably why it was so hard because whenever we did, then it was so much pressure on it. But we did, uh, when my husband was free, he made the family a priority. This is probably a big thing is that when he was free, somewhere along the road, I realized I need to make this a priority. So I worked part-time doing campus ministry when when the kids were really little. When they were in elementary and we moved to... Um, Los Angeles, I was full-time at home. My husband had a different kind of a schedule in that he worked, he worked Sundays and often a lot of the weekends, he had a weekday off and I, I had all mm-hmm. my stuff, you know, I was doing all my regular stuff and I had a cleaning schedule and all this stuff. And one day it, it just dawned on me, like, don't, have the plumber come, don't try to do the laundry, don't have a Bible study on his day off. and it was a major rev- revelation for me and it communicated to him that he was my priority. That's a little bit unique to my situation, but I guess anyone is when I guess this would be true either way husband and wife whenever the either one is free, has free time. It's just to value that and make it a, make the make the relationship the priority. Free time is so, it's so slim mm-hmm. these days that you really do need to kind of pay attention to it.
4: That's such good wisdom. You know, we've been talking in our self-care series about how the little things really add up. And as you're talking and thinking, you know, so often it's like, there's no perfect formula. It is just those little things, whether it's the little date nights or just the Mm -hmm. time together or a meal together, just being really intentional. And Emily, I'd love to ask you, especially since you hit the ground running with your family, when you think back to your early years of mothering with your husband and those little everyday moments, what did that look like? for you? And are there any habits that you look back on that you're really grateful you started early on in your marriage and your mothering?
0: Yeah, I would start by saying the things that I learned really quick did not work well for me was trying to make everything perfectly equal in our household. Um, I kind of came into marriage thinking everything's going to be 50-50. You do half of that. I'll do half of that. And when we welcomed kids, we did work together for sure. It wasn't all on one person, but I just... Realized that the way that I could serve my husband well is to just do what I could do without complaining about it, Um, whether that was cleaning the kitchen or making a meal or whatever was on my docket for the day and to just greet him warmly when he arrives home. And I know not everybody has this dynamic. Just the more time that we have been married, the more I've realized there are a lot of small things that I can do proactively without waiting to be asked. And as I have made gestures toward just doing something that I know will make his life a little easier or show him that I'm thinking of him. It's just really gone a long way. I feel like he turns around and tries to do the same for me and has started anticipating, oh, I'm going to help her by, you know, finishing out the dishes that are left in the sink and just small things that when I come upon those gestures, I just feel so loved that he has taken the time and care to do something without being asked. And I think that has come about largely because of the things that I proactively did to feed into his world.
4: Mm, Such good, simple, practical tips. What are the little everyday moments? Because it doesn't always have to be a big date night (laughs) to bring love and appreciation. And I think that it's so true. We can put a lot of pressure on the big moments and underestimate those small moments. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I love about you is that you're big on celebrating. And recently you had shared that that is a big culture of your home growing up. I would love to know if you can think of any ways that you celebrate or encourage your husband. It could be big or small and anything the mamas that are listening that are in the trenches might be able to take away and implement into their homes. Oh, that's a good question too.
3: I'm sort of falling back to what I was saying before when I had this aha moment of when my husband has free time. I should line up and have free time. And um, Mm -hmm. and maybe not everyone wants to to do that, but make myself available. And it's a simple thing. It's just pay attention. I'm not really getting the celebration, but I'm thinking it's, it's very funny you asked that Sarah, because I grew up, you know, with this mother that celebrates everything. And I mean, every moment we had good night party before we went to bed at night. And I I was just (laughs) reflecting on that and thinking, I think that's why I like to sleep so much because it was celebrated every day of my growing up life. (laughs) My my husband (laughs) on the other hand, you know, didn't really have birthday parties and it wasn't, uh, just didn't have that same, let's make this moment mark it, and make it a moment which, um, and it's not at all that it, I mean, it was a wonderful home, but that just wasn't part of their, their culture. So in some ways me bringing my, that to his framework can feel sort of contrived versus authentic. Mm -hmm. And so if this is answering it, it's the quiet uh, observation. I think if there's any, the biggest gift, celebration I can give him is when I notice him, I see him, you know, and I mean, mm-hmm. I see him without being distracted, without being occupied, without also doing email. And when I give him my attention, when he knows he has my ear, when I'm not, when I'm also listening, not with my agenda and not listening to correct or get my point in or but listening to hear what he has to say, that probably to him is the biggest party he could ever have. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something, the other thing that's just crossing my mind is you just kind of become a student of your spouse after 28 years. I think we, there's still, we still really, there's still a lot to get to know one another in, and there's still a lot to figure out and know and go deeper with.
0: Yeah. So I love that you talked about um, just seeing your husband and being really attentive to where he's at and how he feels. And I think that's really wonderful.
4: That's so true. And just think it's a beautiful reminder that healthy marriages don't just happen, that it is intentional daily work of seeing each other, of loving each other, serving one another and figuring out what are the ways that we can feel known and feel loved and really be seen. And that's so powerful. It could be something as big as just listening and understanding or something as small as my husband, one of his love languages gifts. And sometimes he'll give me something. I didn't even realize I wanted that, but I really did. And I can't believe that you are paying that much attention. Like, and just all the little detail. I mean, one silly thing is I really wanted a new bath mat and he had told my aunt and like measured and the color. And I was like, this is just such a silly little detail. But now every morning I see that bath mat and I think about how much she loved me. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be big. So I think this this uh, conversation has been so encouraging to realize that it's really those little things each day that matter.
0: Well, Anne, I just want to thank you so much for your time and um, just appreciate all the things that you share. There's a lot of nuggets of wisdom in there. And thank you for lending your time to us.
3: Oh, well, thank you guys. You guys are so great. And, um, and, and just this um, coming alongside uh, the journey of parenting. And so you guys are doing a great ministry here. Thank you so much.
0: is a journey of two people integrating their lives on every level. It's a joy to have a companion to experience different seasons with, and it can also be a challenge to get on the same page when you have distinctly different people involved. I am under no impression that one podcast episode can solve anyone's marriage struggles. But I do believe that valuing your spouse and communicating your own needs with a willingness to listen, learn, grow, and develop a better understanding of the person you're married to is a step in the right direction. A few weeks ago, I asked some women in the kindred mom community for thoughts and practical ways to invest in our marriages. Marilyn Song Harry said, Putting the kids to bed early gave me and my husband a solid two hours to relax, reconnect, laugh, and love together on a nightly basis. Robin Chapman said, It's been absolutely transformational for me to believe that my husband really is for me and respond to him accordingly. I spent a dozen years projecting my negative self-talk onto my husband, assuming that he really thought I was the worst, and it just wasn't ever true. As I stopped reacting defensively to everything he said, he started trusting me more with his heart. Rachel Swanson offers, Get in control of your finances by sitting down to do a budget. This may sound like it's off topic, but once kids come into the picture, money issues tend to be a problem. Studies say that the number one thing couples fight over is money, so talk about it. It might feel uncomfortable, but in order to overcome this, you have to face it and work to make it work. Faith Rader says, The biggest piece of advice I'd give to my younger self is to make sure to have fun with my husband. It's something I did not understand the value of when my oldest kids were little. Katie Carper says, set aside time each week to laugh and talk. We purposely avoid talking about work and the kids because neither work nor children define our marriage. We talk about our struggles, dreams, hilarious stories and what God is teaching us personally, as well as how we can love each other better in each season. To close out today's show, I want to share a personal story with you. My husband bought me an orchid for our anniversary 1 July. The original blooms held on all through the summer and fall until sometime in November before falling into the kitchen sink where the plant had been sitting on the windowsill behind the faucet. For a stretch of time, I just let it be. I watered it every now and then, even though it looked like dead sticks pushed up out of the dirt. After a month went by, I had a passing thought to look up how to care for it more intentionally, which consisted of carefully pruning two little branches. It didn't seem like anything was happening for weeks, until buds started forming a couple weeks later. Then, a new delicate bloom began to emerge. As an anniversary gift, this orchid symbolized my marriage, and for those of you who might be in the dead-stick season of your marriage, I want to urge you to keep watering, to keep investing in your marriage, It's not easy to continue giving in a relationship that doesn't feel like it's going well, but I have learned that as my husband and I have taken tiny steps to tend to each other, to sacrifice what we can for each other's benefit, and to communicate honestly about what each of us need, our love continues to bloom again and again. For those of you who don't feel like your partner knows your real heart, for those of you who don't know how to bridge the distance or heal the hurt, I offer a prayer. May this year be one that you continue investing, continue tending the love you have committed yourself to, and may your marriage re-bloom in a beautiful and gentle way this year.